Hey everyone, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy, a podcast with tips to make your life easier, covering pop culture, parenting, travel, minimalism, and more. Hey everybody and welcome to InfoQuench. I'm Jeff. And I'm Amy. And we're here for another podcast and this one is going to be very interesting. It's about a book that was written in what, 1930? 1936. But before we get to that, we have a little story to tell you and Amy's going to start us off. Right. We just got back from a road trip, not too far away, just down into Maine. Just outside of Portland, Maine. Yes. And uh, we were probably about two hours into our five hour drive. On what's called the airliner. Yes. Which is a really windy road that goes straight through Maine. If you're from these parts or around Maine, you'd know where we mean. And all of a sudden our air conditioning quit. Yep. And it was 36 degrees Celsius. That's right. We were in what it was 36. called. 36. The meteorologist called a heat dome. I don't know what that is in American uh, heat, but 36 degrees in Canada is pretty freaking hot. <laughs> in American heat. <laughs> you know what I mean? AKA though. Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, anyways, it was bloody brutal. We had to pull over at a rest area. and it was super brutal. We didn't know what to do. So it just happened to be that the car broke down. Well, well I shouldn't say the car, but like the air conditioning went kaput. Like it kind of sputtered at first and we were like, this isn't working right. And then sure enough, it wasn't. And then just, well, I, and and I then turned it, it off and on again. Then it was that's, gone. Because that often works. And right? it did work for a minute and then yeah. it completely stopped. And then the fan stopped completely. And then we could start to smell a burning smell. Yeah. Which and, is at what point? We just happened. At the point where like we, there's only like four or five gas stations on this really long road that's you know yeah it's a long stretch of nothing so we were lucky that the timing was such we were close to a rest area we pulled over and we popped the hood and you could see the smoking belt and sparks and stink yeah and i was like something's very very wrong now we got to make it clear to our listeners as well that amy and i are not we don't know we just want the car to take us we don't know squat about yeah. anything mechanical we just know a car is supposed to take us from a to b we know where the oil goes where the coolant goes yeah. where the windshield washer fluid goes we look smart with it. that hood up looking and stuff and because we did that we had some locals come by and one guy was just amy had a keen eye and she saw a guy with a gas can yeah. so she he's thought he's jerry gotta can. be a local <laughs> yeah he's filling a jerry can he had an elderly woman in his vehicle so i thought he looks like he's probably trustworthy probably and, and trustworthy and it was a Saturday, and we were our phones weren't working. Yeah, we were in a no, no service in the zone. area we were at. So, uh, yeah, we were. I was in like full on almost panic. Yeah, mode. our little six year old Huxley, he was complaining about the heat the whole time, not yeah. making anything easier. You know, like and and he was right. Well, yeah, it was bloody brutal. That's not the feels the like sun. temperature. That no, was just the temperature, and uh, uh, it was crazy. So, long story short. It ended up being the air compressor. Uh, apparently, the bearings were seized, and a yeah. guy came along with a knife and said, I can just cut off the belt. You won't have air conditioning, but you can still drive. And so that's what we did. And we did, and we continued on our way to uh, where we were going. And so that that was, uh, I don't know, a learning experience, and so we decided to get a whole new car. It was like we drove back into the, 19, <laughs> into well, the 1970s where we had I no know. air conditioning. All well, the windows the were thing. down. We I remember you being really, really worried about it, and I said, honey, we did it. We did that when we were kids. We had no I air know. conditioning when we were I was worried about heat exhaustion. No, we couldn't even, you know, when you drive with the windows down on the highway, you can't even hear each other talk. 
Um, we could hear each other fine. Uh, we it, really got, could. it was a little noisy. We had to put sunscreen on because the windows were down. I, yeah, we did have to do that. We had to do a yeah. sunscreen stop. It was yeah, it was bloody brutal. Yeah. So we drove, but we kept going on our vacation, and we uh, and then drove home, and uh, yeah. we went right to a car dealership. Actually, as soon as we got home that evening, we went to a car dealership, and we went through the sales process, which That's is right. always a fun process. Which brings us to the topic of this podcast. That's See, we right. we were going, we weren't just meandering through stories like we usually do. This one was, you know, it had, it a, had purpose. a target. It, it had, had a, a purpose. Target. So, but I just back to the sales a little bit. We went right. we went to a, a few dealerships. And very quickly, because I've read this particular book, right? I can tell often when other people have read this book. Ah, uh, yes. And I don't know if you've ever, listeners, been with a salesman who's trying to sell to you and you, you know, they're just, you want to buy, but you don't want to be sold to. You don't yeah. want, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When, when things are a little too slick. Or a little too polished. And it, this, and this, we should we should be clear that this isn't the salesperson that we actually bought our vehicle from. It was from a different one, right? Right, right. We went to a few places, as I mentioned, and uh, and in the end, we ended up going with um, Aberdeen, Subaru Aberdeen Subaru here in St. John, and we drive. Um, we our old car was a 2010 Forester, and it served us well. Had a lot of kilometers in it, and so. You know, it just, it mm-hmm. had, it, its lifespan with us had <laughs> come to an end. Yeah. Uh, so we, we love Subarus, but when we went in, Paul was great. He was, uh, you know, genuine, yeah. uh, was able to answer our questions, you know, able, you know. To, able to give us a little bit of wiggle room, which was nice. Yeah. And we were able you know? to, you know, we explored a lot of different options. We looked at brand new vehicles. We ended up going with a 2016 Forester. I have a hard time buying a new vehicle because I know they depreciate so quickly yeah. as soon as you drive them off. We so, went six years above. That's not so bad. Yeah. Six years <laughs> compared to what we were driving. <laughs> yeah, it was we a pretty good upgrade. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a, a car and you like Subarus, head on to Everdeen and yeah. uh, tell Paul Gauthier that uh, Jeff yeah. and Amy McLennan yeah. sent you. Yeah. So if you're in sales or if you're just in the professional world, you may be familiar with Dale Carnegie. Dale so, Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Carnegie Hall. So when we reference in 1936 book, uh, it's the How to Win Friends and, and Influence, Influence People, people. Yes. classic book from 1936. I have not read this book just for, you know, I read it years purposes. ago, and of all the books I've read, I feel like it's probably the one that, like I said, when you meet people who have read it, some people can use the strategies quite smoothly. Other people, yeah. it becomes readily apparent that they're just going through the motions. They're, go, they're doing what the book says the verbatim kind right. of thing, and they're not really putting their own personal spin on it. Because really, if you're going to use, you know, techniques from a book that was written in the 1930s, you got to put your own, like, you know, modern bent on it. You got to, right. you got to give your own, you know, swing. Well, you got to, yeah, it's got to be. You learn from it. You learn the the, the techniques, but you you polish them and make them your own. <laughs> we should. We and I'm also horrible at sales. I could never. I could I'm never do bad. sales. I'm not. Very I can't good negotiate. At sales I can't. I'm just. I sell nothing. I sell nothing. <laughs> So this book has sold over 15 million copies in it uh, worldwide, and it makes it, it ranks as one of the best-selling books of all time. So we're going to go through some of the key uh, points in the book and just kind of discuss them, Jeff and I. Uh, you know, you know, a precursor too, and a warning that some of the stuff is super dated. Oh yeah, like it's written in 1936. Is that what you said? 
1936. Yeah. I actually want to start out with the uh, yeah, do the it. funniest part because That's, read it read it verbatim from the book. Okay, so when I read this a long time, I didn't remember all of the details, but I did remember thinking, oh, there's some pretty sexist stuff in here. And I thought you were going to say sexy. I'm like, wow, well, 1930s. I don't know. For some people, it might be sexy. Some of these, uh, you know, professional learning techniques might be, uh, or might be sexy. But there was, uh, so you kind of read through the book, and I think it was near the end of the book. They had seven rules for making your home life happier, and no. it seemed to be quite directed towards. That's just, I was just going to say, not one of those women. rules are like something that a man can do. Well, uh, some of them are, but I, it's it's just what men can ignore. And it was, and the, the whole section was actually omitted um, from a later edition. Oh. When they did a revised edition in 1981, they completely omitted the whole section. <laughs> and with wow. good reason, but it is hilarious. So, Rightfully so, yeah. So the very first one, so of these seven rules for making a home, your home life happier, the first one is don't nag. Don't nag. And this is, this is the background on it, and this is the, the passage from the book. Bessie Hamburger, great name, Bessie. Love Hamburger. It. That's her last name's Hamburger? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Continue. <laughs> Who has spent 11 years in the domestic relations court in New York City and has reviewed thousands of cases of desertion, says desertion. that one of the chief reasons men leave home is because their wives nag. <laughs> or, as the Boston Post puts it, many a wife has made her own marital grave with a series of little marital digs grave so if you want to keep your home life happy rule number one is don't don't nag don't don't nag right wow that's that's just bonkers i know it's so it, that this, that stuff would not fly in today's know, society I, you know i i recommend reading this book because i think there's some really classic stuff that the fact that it applied back then and still, and still applies, applies today yeah. because it's just fundamentally not necessarily in human what you nature. just read uh, right yeah. that's i guess that's my caveat <laughs> yes right yeah makes sense <laughs> is that uh but some stuff you need to take with a grain of salt and understand that oh yeah the, the time frame of when it was written so the take really, the good stuff leave the bad stuff the really good tidbits of this book <laughs> are ones that are still followed today and that still have like a lot of immediacy and you know whatnot and that's what we're going to get into right now yeah yeah, leave the leave the sexist, yeah. misogynistic stuff. That's right. Leave <laughs> it take, out. And take the good tidbits. Yeah. But just to finish the seven rules for making your home life happier. So number one was oh, don't right. nag. Two was don't try to make your partner over. Yeah, don't three, try to change people. Three is don't criticize. Four is give, give honest appreciation. Five is pay little attentions. Not pay little attention, but pay little attentions. Weird. <laughs> Six is be courteous. Yeah. Of course, be courteous to your spouse. And number seven is, this is the best one. What read is a good book on the sexual side of marriage <laughs> because it's important to know I how to please Carnegie, your spouse. I wonder if Carnegie has ever uh, written one of those. <laughs> He's like, in brackets, is like, see my first book. <laughs> I know, right? Right? That's his lead in. Well, he did a ton of courses and it. it was his courses that actually led a publisher to approach him to write this book. Oh, okay. Somebody had attended his courses. Well, but he there was, was a whole school before of Dale he was, Carnegie and, and still today. Before he was an author, he, he had a lot of money, right? I mean, he was a philanthropist, wasn't he? 
I don't really know much about him. I'm I don't just kind of guessing here. Yeah, I'm but. not. A, I'm not 100 percent sure in his whole life history. Okay. <laughs> I may have known it at one point. Maybe it's in the book. I can't remember. No, I was just curious because, like, you know, there's the Carnegie Stop Hall. Stop trying to get me to make up information that's not true. I know. And then I have to do corrections. And later then you on. have to like you have to prove that you didn't do the research, and that's hard <laughs> enough. Whew. You know what? I wish I was drinking an Aperol spritz right now, but you know what I'm drinking? I sparkling water, like sparkling me. water. We bought yeah. we splurged and spot a, a soda stream soda as our stream. New, part of our new lifestyle kick. Those things are dope. They dope. are. It's if you don't have one, they're worth the investment. And what I've been doing is brewing herbal tea yeah. and kind of cooling it off and mixing it half and half with the soda stream. Yeah, you can get I, all kinds of crazy herbal teas like hibiscus and different like melon flavor green tea, and it's great you can get with it, the soda stream. You can, you can blend it with everything. I I uh, blend mine with a little bit of lemon water or lemon yeah. juice rather, which is perfect for me. I like it a lot. Yeah. So. That's our little Soul side stream note. side note. That's right. But also Aperol spritzes are awesome. So there's a lot of different lists that are given in the How to Win Friends and Influence People book. But uh, we are actually going to do a two-parter on this topic yeah. because there is so much great information that we want to share with you listeners. Right. And this episode, we're just going to go through six ways to make people like you because we all want to be liked. That's right. We all like to be liked. So I'm going to read the little the little tidbit and then we'll discuss, discuss it. Discuss it. All right. If you agree with this, tidbit Jeff. Tidbit number what? 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 Be what? genuinely interested in other people. Oh. And you can make more friends in two months by being interested in them than in two years by making them interested in you. The only mm. way to make quality lasting friendships is to learn to be genuinely interested in them and their interests. Mm. So what is it that you do? That kind of thing? Exactly. You know? Get yeah. people to talk about Where's themselves. Where's your family from? Oh, okay. That kind of stuff. Right. We could practice each one of them as we go through. So these are the types of things that you'll, when you're talking to certain people who are you very... Put pineapple on your pizza? That kind of thing. <laughs> well, know? sometimes when you're talking with people, you'll find that you kind of walk away from the conversation and you sort of feel, you feel good about the conversation, right? You feel right, good about like, the dialogue. There was back and forth. Um, whereas... Other times, you know, it's... What? <laughs> I got distracted. Oh, distracted that's okay. By... <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was like, squirrel. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what times you walk away from a conversation and you feel good about what transpired? Well, yeah, and I you, think it is because... That's the way every conversation should be. You well, should, you should uh, have an invigorating conversation where you learn something about the person and they learn something about you. And then, you, you know, you... you, you you know, you just have a great conversation. But you've ever had a conversation be. where you spoke with somebody and they... Oh, many. Where they're just, it's all about them. Yeah. And you realize you walk oh, away yeah. and you're like, they didn't even ask how my day was. Or yeah. they don't even know I, what my name I, is. I have had too many of those. <laughs> and that's, th- th- those are... And, and you know what happens is that, and everybody knows this too, like the, the those kinds of conversations that you have with people, like those s- sorts of friends or whatever they become like become small doses friends you can't be around them all the time because they're always talking about themselves and that's one of the things that people like to talk about the most is themselves but not 24 7 that's right all right there's my rant i think one of the key things about this is to also be genuinely interested in it right so find something about somebody 
and some, maybe something you don't know about. Maybe you they do a really unique profession and you just don't and right. learn take the opportunity to yeah. learn something from them because so you wash windows a genu- in a Spider Man suit? Wow, in a children's <laughs> would, hospital? Wow, that would be fascinating. I know that would be a really good one. <laughs> the being genuinely interested is the key part. I think that's the part about you know this the, the, when we talk about the sale where someone's just trying to sell you. Mm. There's a part where that genuineness needs yeah. to come through. Yeah, um, it's true. Right. Number two is an easy one, smile. Smile. So yeah. this one is described as happiness. Um, it does not depend on the outside circumstances, but rather on our inward attitudes. That's right. And smiles are free to give. They have an amazing ability to make others feel wonderful. And smile and everything that you do is but what Dale Carnegie smiling feels. can be deceiving as well. Because I know many people who, when they're nervous, they choose not to smile. Or they do it, you know, without even knowing. So, like, they're smiling inside and they really like this person, but they're not smiling. So, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, disinterested or anything like that. Which is interesting, right? It is. Well, but I don't, I, I'm, I've always been a smiler. Me too. Me too. Let's smile right now. Yeah. Can you see? Can smile? you hear it? I actually I worked at a call center in my uh, <clears throat> university years in the summertime, and one of the things they had was a mirror at everyone's desk because they wanted you to smile while you were on the phone because uh, they said the customer can hear the smile in your voice. Oh uh, well, they can certainly hear laughs, but I don't know about smiles. Well, it's true. I think if if uh, this is me smiling, can you hear my smile? No, you changed your speech completely. <laughs> You're like, this is me smiling. No, it doesn't fly. No, but I mean, I'm sure that people can tell that I'm smiling right now. Well, you ever heard that they said like if babies who get smiled at (laughs) smile, learn to smile back. Yeah, that's true. And babies that smile, people like better. People like smiling babies. It's a learned behavior. Truth, it's a true story. Or is it natural? Actually, (laughs) smiles are just natural, aren't they? Not for some people. I know. Those small doses, people. Anyway, well, what's the next one? Well, do you remember on, on the Golden Girls, Rose... I don't I know. You're well, the Golden Ro- Girls fan. In St. Olaf, there was a woman who was born with <clears throat> no smiling muscles. Mm. And so she would just stand on her head and wave when people went by because Rose pointed out to her that a smile was just a frown turned upside uh, down. That's a little tidbit for but you. Then, but then it progressed to resting bee face. Uh? Well, every once in a while, I'll smile at someone and they will actually ask me what I'm smiling at. Uh. That's yeah. my default face. I'd rather default be default happy than default. You should frown. just next time you should just say maybe nothing, maybe something doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to have a pin when I was a kid that said smile. It makes them wonder what you're up to. There you go. Number three is remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So the average person is more interested in their own name than in all the other names in the world put together. People love their names so much that they often donate large amounts of money just to have a building named after them. Carnegie Hall. (laughs) (laughs) We can make people feel extremely valued and important by remembering their names. Well, okay, so herein lies the problem. You know, a lot of people out there and myself, I am part of that group. I forget people's names quite quickly. I do too. I'm horrible at it. Yeah. You are, and so am I. It's it's just the way it is, and it's not that the person's name isn't interesting or that you shouldn't, you know, remember it. You just you just don't. So there must be. I know I've heard of this technique. You use a person's name Three straight times away, or something straight like that. away. Like this is you you introduce them to somebody else, and then that helps you remember their names, right? 
If I, I see it in print, I can remember it. So if I've been emailing yeah, somebody or I see it on social media, I will remember. But I I find this technique is something you'll pick up quite easily with politicians. Yeah. I mean, politicians know this stuff, how to make people like you. That's oh, yeah. what their success is all about. They know they about know, Carnegie. Oh, yeah. I doubt you would find a politician who has not read this book. Um, and you, when people overuse your name, though, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that happen, well, too, where they're kind of like... Oh, Jeff. Oh, Amy. Or sometimes it's Amy. almost combative. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Use that one uh, carefully. Yeah. Use that, that, uh, that tip Sparingly. carefully. Sparingly. Four is be a good listener and encourage others to talk about themselves. So what was that? Kind of... Can you say that one again? <laughs> <laughs> the easiest yeah. way to become a good conversationalist is to become a good listener. Okay. To be a good listener, we must actually care about what people have to say. Many times yeah. people don't want an entertaining conversation partner. They just want someone who will listen to them. And not only that, but it, it, you know, it's also true that to be a good listener, sometimes it's a good idea to repeat in a way something back to somebody, like wh- whatever they said to you, you repeat it back to them in, a, in an interesting way. That's a good point. You it know? lets them know that they've been heard. Yeah. It also makes you sure that you're, you understood them correctly. And it strokes their ego. To yeah. be honest, like, oh, you know, yeah. everybody likes that. So, so what yeah. I hear you saying, honey, is that mm. when yeah. somebody repeats something, you That's should, right. or, you got to yeah, validate, put, <laughs> you got to validate what they're saying. Right? Put, so what you're saying is I should repeat back what you just said. Sorry, I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name again? Everybody must hate us because we suck at all of these. What's your name again? I don't even, we don't know. even have friends. We just sit here and do have podcasts. Have you ever been to Carnegie <laughs> Hall? It's amazing. I hear. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. This seems to be a lot about the other person. <laughs> yeah, it is. What about me, me, me? Yeah. No, what about know. me? Where's the point about me? So I don't know. But this means the royal, the, the, this is described as the royal road to a person's heart is to talk about the things he or she treasures most. If we talk to people about what they're interested in, they will feel valued and value us in return. I've no. never been a fan of royalty <laughs> and the roads. I don't know why they chose the royal road. I don't know. It's all dated. But but, uh, but it is a good, this is, I mean, I, I actually do do some of these things because, like I said, I read this book a long time ago and I do find that sometimes if you're in a situation where it's hard to get a conversation going, asking people about what they're interested in, mm-hmm. um, you can see people light up when they're talking about a hobby yes. or just, you know, if they're really passionate about their career and you, you know, ask some questions about that, it can really get a conversation going and develop a rapport. Yes, I agree. And, and if you don't know anything like or not anything but if you don't know as much on a subject that someone's talking about well you can just you can just egg them on and ask them questions about it and then you're both interested right hopefully yeah know. it's a great way to learn right yeah and number six of the six ways to make people like you is make the other person feel important and do it sincerely so right. the golden rule is to treat other people how we would like to be treated yeah and we love to feel important and so does everyone else people will talk to us for hours if we allow them to talk about themselves oh they will if we can make people feel sometimes important two hours in a sincere and appreciative way or three hours we'll win all the friends we could ever dream of and we want to win friends it's all, That's about all we want friends. we want to win winning as charlie sheen would say <laughs> winning winning friends i just collect them like royal dalton dolls 
you know? <laughs> Actually, isn't it funny, though, as the older you get, I find you tend to not meet as many friends. Is that Would that be a general... I think we become a little more, maybe we're more picky. Yeah. We're more jaded. And we also, we're running out of time. Interesting. (laughs) So our time is precious to us. We don't want to spend time with people who... That's right. Like, I don't, I, you know, I don't need to spend time with people who are negative or, you know, just, I want to spend time with people who make me happy. That's right. So let this be a signpost to our loyal listeners to, you know... Love your friends, give them a hug, call them up and go to a barbecue and have a drink, do something like that and do it soon because time is wasting people. And ask them about their lives. We only have so much time. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how their jobs are going, how their That's kids right. are doing, how yeah. they're, you know, how what, what they're What's up to, up? what hobbies they're up to. Um, yeah. So we're, we're coming, closing in on the end of this episode. I'm just going to throw in as a bonus, fundamental tip techniques for handling people so there's three carnegie techniques for handling people i thought you're not supposed to handle people anymore (laughs) that's another isn't that like the whole episode okay all right (laughs) so the first one is don't criticize condemn or complain whatever you just said that completely wrong (laughs) thanks (laughs) human nature does not like to admit fault when people are criticized or humiliated they rarely respond well and will often become defensive and resent their critic nice try don't try again to handle people well we must never criticize condemn or complain because it'll never result that thing you did was completely wrong (laughs) number two give honest and sincere (laughs) appreciation i Um, really mean it what you did was completely wrong honey well, I'm just I'm just following the rules. Oh. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <sighs> <laughs> Appreciation is one of the most powerful tools in the world. People will rarely work at their maximum potential under criticism. Mm-hmm. But honest appreciation brings out their best. Appreciation, though, is not simple flattery. It must be sincere, meaningful, and with love. I think that's a lot true of a lot of his tips is that he doesn't want fake there's no fakeness no around it yeah you, you need to develop that don't genuine, be fake around carnegie because he'll know and a number the number three fundamental technique in handling people is to arouse in the other person an eager want what is with this guy to get what we want from another person we must forget our own perspective and begin to see things from the point of view of others when we com- can combine our desires with their wants they become eager to work with us, and we can mutually achieve our objectives. I've heard someplace a really interesting thing that if someone, if if you go into an argument or a conversation that turns into an argument, and someone actually changes your perspective throughout that argument because of what they're saying, and you you are you accept that you're like open to it, then that is that makes a good conversationalist for one and a good human being because you can change what you believed before you went into that conversation. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think it's rare. Yeah, I, mean, I think you it's see rare it on, too. On the online, all the time, you people, see these arguments oh. and comment sections on Facebook, on news chasers, and people are so adamant. It's very rare for people to admit yeah. that they they were wrong or to change their opinion on social media. They. But I'm never wrong. Well, lucky for that. Oh, yeah, I know. So how would? <laughs> but it's interesting you bring that up because in part two we're going to talk about twelve ways to win people to your way of thinking. Okay, so we might have covered a little bit of ground from that in this conversation, just in our little sidebars. Do you we think? may have, but I think there's some. He has he has some specific techniques that we'll kind of go through in part two, and you know, 
you get to practice these things just to, but the next time you know you're striking up conversation with a stranger or with a friend just try some of the techniques that we mentioned smile, right. smile. ask them about what you know uh, ask them about them mm-hmm. um Find out what they're interested in and, and see how it changes the conversation and the dynamic. And hopefully they'll reciprocate. And hopefully, hopefully they also read the book and listen to our podcast. Hopefully you'll be winning friends and influencing people at the same time. Here's hoping. Thank you, Dale Carnegie, for all that you have given us, except for all the sexist stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for yeah. all the sexist stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, I won't nag you. Okay, well, I, pro- I promise just, not to. Let's nag. just end this podcast, please. Come on, <laughs> Let, let's stop nagging me, and so we could end it. Okay. All right. All right. Stay tuned for part two. See you later, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit InfoQuench.com to subscribe and catch up on past episodes. You can also check out InfoQuench on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time. time.